You're upset because it's Christmas. Christmas is a time when you look at your life through a magnifying glass and whatever you don't have feels overwhelming. Being alone is so much lonelier at Christmas. Everything sad is so much sadder at Christmas. Welcome to the Different Functional Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to focus on the difficulties of getting through these darker days of winter. The holiday season and winter are hard on many of us that are neurodivergent, have a traumatic background, or experience mental health struggles. Today, we're going to be talking about how to find hope to keep moving forward during these dark times. And that's why we started out with that quote from Steve Martin's character in Mixed Nuts to really highlight that idea of how much more pressure and stress can come around this time of year. I am Autumn, the older sister. And for my fact of the day, I want to share with you something that brings me hope or happiness from the winter season. For me, it was a little bit difficult because I honestly really like winter. And so there's so many things that bring me happiness. But I think one of the things I enjoy most about winter is the silence and the stillness. I I live in Montana and of course we get cold winters and we get snow and in my mind there is nothing more beautiful and ethereal and wonderful and calming than a, a cold night and you go out and it's just snowing and it's just so quiet and so still and so calm And as somebody that is always anxious and that has so many sensory issues, that moment of peace is just amazing for me. I really wish that I had the same kind of warm, fuzzy feelings that you have about winter because I don't have those at all. I am Ivy, the younger sister, and uh, hope is honestly real hard for me to find this time of year. Not just because of the holidays and all of the associated stress and the trauma history. I fucking hate being cold. So that's part of it. But it's also that everything does feel kind of dead and drab after Christmas. You're just, you're overloaded with all these bright colors and festivities and all that stuff. And then right after that, everything just kind of calms down way too abruptly, especially here in the Pacific Northwest where I live. And then January and February are difficult because our mom's birthday was in January. So that's hard for me with her being gone. And then February is my birthday and I do not have good birthdays and have not had good birthdays for most of my life. So it's really hard for me to find hope during this time of year. So you know what? I don't I just don't focus on trying to find hope for the future. I just sit with the knowledge that I'm going to have a hard time and that is okay. And I do try to find little bright moments in the shittiness. And the brightest moment for me or the brightest thing for me this time of year is the food. I am all about the food. It's like the one thing I find joy in this time of year because nothing is better to me than the foods that come with fall and winter. You got like soups and chilies and pumpkin related desserts and all sorts of yumminess. And that is my one fucking joy in life during this time of year. Hope and beauty and happiness does not have to be ethereal and amazing and deep and and world shaking. Sometimes it can be as simple and practical as some pumpkin pie. (laughs) Just keep that in mind as we dive in. But I do think those little bright moments of joy that Ivy are talking about, I think those are little bits of hope, little pops and explosions of hope that are in the darkness, the little tiny lights that can keep us moving forward on these dark days. But before we really get into the hope part of today's episode, let's touch briefly on why this time of year can be so difficult. In our previous episodes, we've already talked about the increased stress of the holiday season and all that comes with it. We've also talked about the forced positivity, happy, happy, merry, merry 
everything's got to be smiles and glitter. But let's move beyond that and talk about some of the other reasons. Just this entire section, this November, December, January, February, sometimes even up into March can be such a struggle. And one of the things which Ivy already touched on already in her fact of the day was that Christmas hangover. Even if you loved the holiday seasons and everything was great and happy, Christmas ends and everything gets stripped down. And all of a sudden you went from bright lights and colorful this and happy and merry and joyful music to nothing but gray and drab and trudging through the snow and ice and slush and a car that won't start in the morning because it's negative 22 out. And that just leaves you feeling so much shittier because everything was bright and pretty. And now it's just really fucking gray and dreary. Part of the reason why it also bothers me is that it's going to be that way for a bit. Because after Christmas, you at least have to get through January and February of that. And then depending on where you live, it lasts even longer. Because sometimes here in Seattle, it just stays gray and dreary until after the 4th of July. So January and February and often March are really hard times for me because I just know that it's just going to stay kind of crappy for months still. And that's hard, especially when you strip away the one thing about the holiday season that I actually generally like, and that's all the pretty things things, the ornaments and the Christmas lights and all the colors and stuff. That's like the one thing about the holidays I genuinely enjoy. And then it's gone. And then I just am in grayness. And because it's winter, there's also the other things that go along with that. The the darker days. You still have real short days for a while. The bright side is that after the winter solstice in in, uh, December, the days do start getting progressively longer, but it's still going to be a while before you have nice, long, sunny days. And it's cold, at least for most places in the Northern Hemisphere. It's really, really (laughs) cold. And I do not like the cold. People tend to get more sick during this time of year as well. And we're all trapped inside with each other, just ruminating in each other's germs and swimming in each other's bacteria. And it's just a factory of grossness and we get sick more often. Those are all pretty lousy things, I think. I think there's a lot of good things about winter, but we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. Um, But I do agree with that. You do get the dark days here in Montana. Ivy's near the the same level I'm at as far as height on the globe. I can't remember if that's longitude or latitude. I'm not good with such words. I think our shortest day of the year, we get maybe seven or eight hours of sunlight. And if you're where Ivy is, because I used to live out in Seattle, the clouds come in and they don't go away. So even though the day may be seven hours long, you don't see light at all for months. And that can be horrible. We need sunlight. We do. We need sunlight. We need that vitamin D in order to maintain just normal mental health. And you're not getting that. And then you add in the cold, not just what that does to your body and the sickness and health, but what it can do to everything around you. Because like I said, I'm living in Montana. Those really cold days, you find out everything that's wrong with your car. So if you're just struggling to get by, all of a sudden things start going wrong because they're not designed to work in negative 20 or negative 40 degrees and you've got your fuel pump freezing or your water heater gives out or the electricity goes down because too many people are pulling on the grid and you're sitting there freezing and it just feels so much more stressful. And then you do add into those cold days the fact that everything seems harder. Exercise, moving, working is just harder and so you have all this weight of possibly the holiday season if you made it through it. You have these shorter days, you have all this extra stress of trying to move forward and you realize you're barely halfway, if that, through the winter time. That can be a lot to deal with and it can really kill your hope. I want to note also for 
people that have joint pain, I am among them. That is one of the hardest parts for me about winter as well. During summer, I can't completely forget that I have joint issues, but it doesn't feel as intense. During winter, as soon as it gets cold, and here in the Seattle area, especially once it starts raining, that cold wet that sinks into your bones makes every part of my body hurt. Every year when winter rolls around, I realize how much worse my body is than it was last year. How much more joint pain I have, how much more damage my career has done done to my joints. So I spend most of winter in pain, which is not fun. And I know a lot of people that have joint pain and it's just so much worse during those colder months. A lot of us do spend time in pain over winter, either physical pain, like Ivy said, or sometimes just mental pain because of the psychological effects of things. But there's a lot of pain that gets associated with winter. And I think part of this is because the seasons in some way are reflective of life stages. And winter is very much representative of death and grief and sadness and heaviness and hurt. And that's really hard to find hope in the midst of grief. It's really hard to find hope or greenery or life when everything seems gray and painful, especially those of us that have experienced grief, that have lost loved ones. We can definitely feel that reflection in this time of year. Now, like I said, I'm a big fan of winter. And one of the things I love about winter is that it is reflective of that life stage. And no, I do not like grief. But what I also see with winter is a period of rest. And just like our bodies have that sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, and one is driving you to go, 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 go. The other one is asking you to calm down and to stay still. And that's because it needs you to calm down and it needs you to stay still and it needs you to be quiet and it needs you to stop production so that you can rest and you can recuperate and you can regain the energy you need so that you can grow when spring comes. But unfortunately, I don't feel that society respects that. And so in our culture, we still are expected to output and produce and move and go just as much in winter as we are any other season. And I think that disconnect from nature and that disconnect from recognizing what this time of year is really asking from us is where a lot of this comes from. Because if we could slow down, if we could stop, if we could take that rest and that break that we really, really need, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. I will say that I do agree that the way we operate in society and culture is very contrary to the natural cycles that we would have if it weren't for the constant pressures to operate the same way all year long. I do think that's very unnatural and it definitely has negative ramifications. All right. So where's the hope? This episode's supposed to be about hope, right? So so where is the hope? Where can we find the hope in the darkness? I want to share something to start us out that I actually found in our mom's writings. Even before she passed away, I found this and I, I couldn't locate it again, so I can't read it verbatim. But there's a story that my mom wrote about the best Christmas that she ever spent. She was a single mom. She had just had our brother. She was alone for the holidays. She had put our brother down to sleep and she was taking the trash out. Just a simple task. And she happened to look up at the sky. She saw the moon. And in that moment, it was so beautiful 
to her and the loneliness that she had been feeling and the depression she had been feeling and the sadness and the heaviness and stress of being a single mother and not knowing what was going to come next and how she was going to make ends meet and whether or not she could be enough on her own as a single mom, all of those feelings in that moment, it melted away just seeing the moon, embracing those natural cycles of life and taking that moment for herself to just breathe into the cold night air. It just erased for that briefest of moment, all of that heaviness and stress she'd been feeling. And she was able to just appreciate how beautiful and peaceful life can be. And it gave her a hope that she had not been feeling in a very long time that things were going to be okay and that she could be enough and that being able to give her son that love would be enough and that maybe the universe had not turned its back on her. Maybe God had not turned his back on her. Maybe, maybe there was hope for the future after all. That's part of why I said earlier, those little bits of bright joy that Ivy talked about with food, to me, those are hope. And I kind of want to talk about what hope is before we delve too deep into this, because in our culture, we always identify hope with positivity and happiness and optimism. And, And for me, anyways, I don't really think that that's exactly what hope is. I think hope's bigger than that. Now, if you want to look at the actual definition of hope, it's the idea of wishing for or desiring for or having confidence or trust in the future. There's not really a lot in there about being happy, being excited. It doesn't say anything about that. It's talking about wishes and desires. It's confidence and trust. It's about having some sort of belief that the future is worth experiencing worth sticking around for. And that's what hope is to me. Hope is all about finding a reason to keep moving forward. It could be appreciation. It could be that single moment where you breathe in the cold night air and you view the moon and for four seconds in a horrible, stressful day, you feel okay. Or it could be the stillness I experience on those soft winter snow nights where it's just so quiet and I feel calm for once in my life. Or sometimes it is contentment and happiness and the little burst of endorphins you get from biting into that pumpkin pie or eating those mashed potatoes and turkey. It can also be curiosity. It can be wondering what that person said when you overheard them at the grocery store. All of these little itty bitty things in my mind are little sparkles of hope. They're little bits that give us just a glimpse of an idea that maybe the future's worth sticking around for. Maybe this darkness won't last forever. Maybe Maybe tomorrow or next month or the next day is going to be just a little bit better. A lot of people, when they try to wrap their heads around the concept of hope, they're very future oriented. And that's actually not what hope is for me. I mean, obviously, hope is going to have connections to the future, but in order for me to find that hope, I'm very past focused. I'm always looking behind me. And the reason for that is because when I am lacking hope, when everything is really hard and every moment is painful and I am depressed and I'm anxious and I just want things to end or I just want to break and not feel like I have to keep existing anymore, the idea of continuing to live on into the future sounds to be perfectly blunt, fucking awful. So I don't think about the future so much. I look back at the past 
it's very memory oriented. Hope is looking back at brighter days and remembering there were days when I felt better. There were days when I was confident, when I wasn't depressed, when I wasn't anxious. There were days when I felt peace and optimism and I had something to look forward to. And I had these beautiful moments and these vivid memories and these deep connections. And I felt connected to myself and the world around me and the people that I loved. I have felt those things before. I do not feel them now, but knowing that I felt them before makes me want to keep living because I want to feel those things again. I do not want to go out feeling like this. I want to keep going because I want to get those feelings back. I know they exist. I have felt them before and I'm holding out to feel those again. Now let's start talking about the actual bulk of our episode, which is how do you find hope? How do you find reasons to move forward? How do you find those bits of joy, those sparks in the darkness that can keep you going until spring, either the literal earth spring or a figurative spring within your own self comes? How do you find those? Well, let's start out by the physical stuff, because that's that's always the best place to start in my mind. Take care of your physical health. That can help so much. And I'm going to put this in here, and I'm probably going to be quoting somebody's mom out there, but for God's sakes, it's cold outside, put on a damn coat. <laughs> and I say this jokingly, but I also say this seriously. Now, I know not everybody that's listening, you live in a cold area during winter, but a lot of us do, and it's cold outside. And I really honestly believe that staying warm is going to help your physical health. Yes, Maybe it'll cut down on sickness and all this other stuff because your body's not under stress. But what I found personally is that when I'm cold, I get tense. My muscles tense up. Everything tenses up because I'm trying to stay warm. Because I'm used to experiencing anxiety, when I get tense, my mind says, holy shit, we must be anxious. And so the very tension I experience from being cold gets turned into anxiety. And whether I experience the anxiety or just the tension, either way, I end up hurting because all of my muscles are clenched up and cramped. And so by putting on a coat, maybe you can lessen the anxiety and the pain just a little bit. I laugh because I feel like this whole episode, Autumn and I are just going to be at the opposite ends of the spectrum with things because putting on a coat makes me feel more anxious. Do I hate being cold? Yes, I absolutely do. But I have the body proportions of a fucking monkey. My arms are so long and my shoulders are quite broad. I don't know why they don't make women's clothing for for women that have arms and shoulders because I can't be the only one that has arms and shoulders. (laughs) But putting on a coat tends to stress me out because I hate having my movement restricted and nothing restricts my movement more than a coat. I swear it's like wearing a straight jacket, especially when I'm driving my car because the sleeves are too short and the shoulders are not wide enough. So it bunches up around my neck and then the sleeves go all the way up to my elbows and I can hardly move my arms around. And I feel like that kid in the movie, The Christmas Story, I'm just walking around feeling restricted and like I'm moving like a robot. So if you're like me, wearing a coat will not help you, but wearing a coat will make you more anxious. And then you have to pick your battles. Are you going to be restricted in your movement or are you going to freeze your butt off? And I usually end up freezing my butt off. I don't know. There's got to be other people out there like me who are like, no, fuck your coat. I'm not wearing a coat. Although if if it's good for you and you have a coat that fits you well and it's nice and toasty and warm, 
I envy you so much. And by all means, wear your coat. Enjoy it enough for the rest of us who can't wear them comfortably. Okay. Okay. So you don't have to wear a coat. I'm not going to force you into a jacket, but wear some layers. Find ways to stay warm. Even if the jacket is killing you, I give, I get that. I see that. Not everybody likes to be wrapped in 74 layers of comfort and down like I do, <laughs> but there are warm garments out there or when you're in your house, finding ways to blanket up or put on a couple layers of socks or snuggle with your dog. I really think staying warm in the winter can help even if it's not a jacket and another thing that can help is exercise i know grown 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 everybody hates it we all said we were going to do it at the new year but nobody wants to do it exercise can help this is one of the biggest things they say for depression they have for a long time and that's because it works exercising does things to your brain and body to make you generally happier to keep things moving to make less pain to help you feel good that's what exercise does it shakes out all those kinks and it gets the endorphins flowing and it helps you keep warm because that's an important point like i said but remember though that exercise doesn't always have to be push-ups and sit-ups because as i've said before i fucking hate exercise i don't like the idea of flopping around like a dead fish so that i can feel better it's stupid and a waste of my time when i could be doing something else that would be actually fun and entertaining so if like me you hate exercise just keep in mind it doesn't have to be exercise quote unquote and aerobics and the 1980s Richard Simmons or whatever it is you're thinking of just get moving and if you're interested we did a blog a while back a hundred some ways to keep moving to get that exercise you need to get that movement you need everything from playing the floor is lava to having a snowball fight any of these things get you moving and it gets you the exercise you need to feel just maybe a little better Uh, In addition to exercise, one of the other things that you can do is start getting your diet back on track. And when I say that, I do not mean going on some fad diet to lose the extra pounds that you got from your holiday eating. That is not what I am saying at all. The things that you eat do have an impact on mood. What we fuel our body with, the sources we get those calories from, those do matter. They do impact our neurochemicals. They do impact our our stomachs and our tummies if we have food sensitivities. Just taking the time after the holidays to kind of reset your system, maybe even do very simple cleanses, just eat super healthy, even if it's just for a week, just to reset, get back on track. That can go such a long way in helping both with mental health and also with your physical health. Just giving your body a chance to fuel itself up on the things that are really good for it and the stuff that it really needs, all those wonderful antioxidants from your fruits and vegetables and cutting back on some of the super fatty meals that feel really heavy and cutting back on some of the foods that maybe your stomach doesn't appreciate so much. That can really, really be helpful in just getting things headed back in the right direction and giving you a boost in terms of your mental health and also your physical health. Doesn't have anything to do with with losing weight. For most people, holiday weight is transitory anyway. The focus is not on losing the extra poundage so much as it is as fueling your body with the things that it actually needs and that will help you feel better. And actively avoiding the things that hurt you or put you in extreme amount of pain for no fucking reason because your body is really stupid and hates you and doesn't want you to be happy. Or at least that's what it feels like. I I hate not being able to have sugar. 
I fucking love sugar. And around the holidays, it's really hard because you do get around pumpkin pies and cookies and candy and everybody's handing this out everywhere. And for a sugar addict like me, it is really hard to resist. And so I do end up doing the sugar and I do end up paying for it. But if I can get myself back on track, like Ivy said, even just for a week, just be like, I'm going to be really good this week. And it does break some of that addiction for me with the sugar or sometimes even with the gluten when I start getting back on the gluten because I also love gluten and I'm not supposed to have that. And that pops up during the holiday season as well. You do it for a week and then you start getting back into that routine and all of a sudden you start feeling better because your body's not kicking you in the kidneys for eating stuff that tastes good. So it kind of sucks, but it, it is worth the payment on that. Another thing that I've heard a lot from people as well is vitamin D supplements or even sun lamps. There's science that shows that those shorter days can lead to depression. And one of the theories out there is that we are getting less sunlight. There are shorter days, there's more clouds, there's more coverage, and we're just not getting exposed to the sunlight we need, which isn't increasing the the hormones. And it's not it's messing up our melatonin and our serotonin and everything else that's going on with our neurochemicals because the environment does affect our physical and our mental health. And so when we get less sunlight, we're not getting as much of what we need. And some people, they end up doing the sun lamps. I've done those. I think they especially help me in the morning to wake up because it's so hard for me to wake up in the morning. I hate waking up in the morning in winter. I just want to sleep till noon. And so when I've actually gotten one of those like sun bulbs that they do, I <laughs> it goes super cheap. I don't know if this is officially a sun lamp, but I can't afford a sun lamp. So one of the things I did is I got a lizard bulb that you put in a lizard cage that's supposed to give them the UVA or UVB or whatever it is they're supposed to need. I got me one of those and I put it in my lamp and maybe it's all just in my head uh, placebo effect but I think it actually helped I think the lizard bob helped me at least wake up in the morning I don't know about feel a lot better but it did help me wake up in the morning and there are a lot of vitamin d supplements out there I will just say if you are going to do vitamin d supplements or any supplements this time of year do be careful with them they do interact with medications and they can affect you differently there's a lot of us out there that have the paradoxical effects which means it affects you the opposite of what it's supposed to. And I actually found I had that with vitamin D supplements. The couple times I've tried to take vitamin D, I've actually gotten more depressed, which is not supposed to happen. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But if you are going to start introducing supplements, be careful, do it slow, maybe get some guidance from either a healthcare practitioner or an herbalist or a functional medicine doctor, or at least do a whole lot of research and pay attention to what your body is telling you. I will second that advice. Another one that people tend to take during this time of year because it is supposed to help with depression and anxiety and all that is your omegas from fish oil. I did omegas from fish oil for a very short period of time, about a month or so, and had to stop because it actually sent me into a mixed bipolar episode. So I was both horribly, miserably, suicidally depressed and also at the same time incredibly anxious and paranoid. I had what almost equated to a nervous breakdown because of fish oil. So even if these supplements work amazing for everybody else, they may have that paradoxical effect on you. So yes, please listen to your body, do your research, get your supplements from good sources and actually pay attention to what is and is not working for you. 
Another thing that you may find is actually helpful, and we use this a lot in massage therapy, is aromatherapy. Now, I'm not saying you have to believe in everything that goes along with aromatherapy. I myself am on the fence with essential oils as far as how much it does impact this or that and the safe ways for you to use it or whether or not you should ingest it, stuff like that. I'm not talking about any of that. I am talking purely about the connection between certain scents and the impact that they can have on mood, because there is actually a direct correlation there between certain scents and mood. And we do utilize that a lot in massage therapy. It's why a lot of massage therapists will use lavender when they're giving massages because it does have actually a relaxing effect. We use peppermint oil and things like that for more invigorating, bring some some blood flow and some life back to you. Uh, Citrus is really great for depression and sadness. It gives your brain a boost of feel good so that your mood is kind of uplifted. So aromatherapy is really great for that. Even if you don't believe in all of the other stuff, with essential oils, that's totally fine. I'm not going to push you one way or the other, but the actual aroma part of aromatherapy can help you feel better and uplift your mood or help calm your anxiety. One of the things I love about aromatherapy too is why not try? There's been a lot of research out there and some of it's mixed, but there's been a lot of research that has shown that certain scents and certain essential oils specifically can definitely improve mood or affect psychological health. There's also been a lot of research out there showing that placebo effect can help you a lot too. So if you just try something, even if it's empty, and sometimes even when you know it's a placebo, it can still help you. And aromatherapy is great because it's not really expensive. You can get essential oils and they're probably not high grade, perfect, wonderful, organic things but you can get essential oils from Walmart for fairly cheap. And yes, you can get an essential oil burner, but if you have an old pot that you don't use much, put some water in it, put a few drops, put it on low on the stove. That's all you need. Or you can even get from the Dollar Tree a cheapo little oil diffuser that just takes a little tea light in it with a little bit of water and oil on the top. So I love aromatherapy because it's one of those things that you can just throw into your environment And how? Maybe it'll help. Maybe it won't. But maybe things smell a little prettier now. Since we're talking only about like the scent aspect of it, fuck, it doesn't even have to be actual essential oils. If you are feeling depressed and you are just feeling how everything is so drab and stuff during the winter, go out and get yourself some citrus candles. Make your house smell like citrus. Just give you that little bit of of a boost or a scent that you associate with spring. It could be that too, because some of it is also like the memories that we associate with certain scents. It doesn't have to necessarily be a scent or an essential oil that there's research showing that it's supposed to make you feel a certain way. If you have certain scents that you just love because they make you feel better, that works too. Make use of that. Your olfactory system has a pretty good connection with your mood. So just put smelly good things around you. It's going to help make you feel even a tiny bit better. And man, when you feel shitty, even that tiny little bit, that's something. Another big thing that I think is really important in this, and this goes into that whole idea of those seasons being reflective of those stages of life, is respecting that. Winter is about rest and recuperation. Winter is about slowing down. Winter is about just taking a moment and a breath and stop producing and growing and going, 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 because it's literally not possible for us to continue outputting at such an extent always. And so consider respecting what winter is trying to tell you and give 
give yourself a break. Allow yourself time to calm down. This is actually the core reason that I love winter because I am a producer. I am a goer. My self-esteem is tied into my ability to do things and to make people happy and to make things better. And winter feels to me like it wraps its cold arms around me and it says, honey, it's okay. It's okay to not. It's okay to have a moment. It's okay to just be. And I love that about winter. I love that message it gives me. And so maybe if you're capable of doing that, if you're capable of doing the work, because sometimes doing nothing is work for those of us that are go, go, go people, it can feel so incredible to just give yourself a break, to do nothing or to do something that you want to do, not something that you have to do. And this is just another one of those points where Autumn and I are at opposite ends of the spectrum because when winter wraps its cold arms around me and it's like, hey, don't move, just like chill. Like, but I don't chill. That's not a thing that I do. I don't even always have to be productive, but I don't just chill. So I I have a hard time with that. Winter and I have a very love-hate relationship because again, like I mentioned earlier, I do recognize that there are benefits to that. And I probably need to chill out more, whether I want to or not. But I don't have the same warm, fuzzy appreciation for it that Autumn has. Even though I know I need it, I'm still kind of resentful of it sometimes. All right. Another thing that you can do, set aside time for yourself to be away from stressful people. And this is particularly important for after the holiday season, because a lot of us do have to be in social situations or fulfill familial obligations that stress us the fuck out. Even if you like the people that you're around, even if you love your family, it's still just a huge disruption to your routine. It's more social obligations and more social things in general than you would normally have to do. So there's a lot of stress whether it's good stress or bad stress, it's still stress. And if you have been dealing with a lot of difficult people during the holidays, you have earned a break from that. So set aside some time for yourself to not have to be around people that stress you the hell out. This point is especially important for those of us that are introverts that need that alone time. Yeah, there are some people that just need to get away from stressful people. There's also a lot of us out there that just need to get away from people. So for some of us, taking a day or two to be away from others is a good thing. Just to be able to recoup and to get back into ourselves and recharge that internal battery because so many of us have that need. Now on the other side of this though, you don't necessarily want to isolate because if you do have that tendency to get down around this time of year, to get the blues or to actually get depressed this time of year, too much self-isolation, not necessarily a good thing. So you do have to make that balance. This is one that's really important for me because I mentioned it in our last episode. I am not really a holiday person. The holidays are generally hard for me. And most of the time I try to just pretend like they're not a thing. During Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that, I tend to isolate even more than I normally do. And I already spend a lot of time alone. I am 
very, very introverted. But during the holidays, I've become even more so. So after the holidays are over, I have introverted so hard, it actually starts being counterproductive. After the holidays, I do push myself to go out and be around people, but I am still selective. I go out and I be around people that I specifically like. I reach out to people, which is one of the few times I actually am the one to reach out. Most of the time, other people are like, oh, I haven't heard from you in like six months. Are you still alive? Are you okay? But right after the holidays, it's one of the only times of the year that I'm the one to reach out and be like, hey, can we go do something? I need social interaction and to connect with another person. So I still feel like I am part of the human race. I'm always looking for opportunities during that time of the year, right after the holidays, when I am at my lowest in terms of my mental health and I am in the most physical pain. That's when I really push myself to go out and be around the people that I actually enjoy being around and who help me feel more connected to everything and help me remember why I stick around and why I need to get through the winter. that it's going to get better. Along the lines of with that rest and recuperation and giving yourself a break from stressful people is also the idea of treating yourself. I do this regularly. Life is difficult for me (laughs) for a variety of reasons. And so I often find it hard to get motivated to get through the day or to get through the week even, let alone to get through an entire period of darkness. Because even as much as I love winter, it is still a very difficult and stressful time for me for a variety of reasons. So finding little ways to treat yourself, to entice yourself, to keep going, you're literally rewarding yourself, which is awesome. It's basic behavioral psychology. So why not do that? And it can't even literally be food. We did talk about getting your diet back on track, which is very good, but that doesn't mean you have to go extreme. You could still treat yourself to a comfort food. I do try my best to avoid the gluten and the sugar and all the other things that my body hates me for eating, but I don't eliminate them because I love food and never having those things is so depressing. And so when I do let myself have a bite of a donut or a little cookie or a small slice of toast every now and again, it makes me so much happier. And yes, there are some consequences for it, but that endorphins and that positive association and that burst of yumminess, it helps me keep going in that short-term moment moving forward. So those little treats can do a lot. I think there is also something to be said too for setting these short-term limits or setting like short-term goals or however you want to put it for, I'm going to eat clean and stay on track for this whole week so I can feel generally better and start giving my body really what it needs. But I want something to look forward to. So at the end of the week, I'm going to let myself have this little thing that I really love. This is something that I tend to do all year round, but it's especially important during this period of time. Because most of the time I do eat pretty clean. I have a lot of trigger foods that I have to try to avoid and I try to stay on track with that. But Sunday is my favorite day of the week because Sunday is grocery shopping day and shopping for food is the only kind of shopping I actually enjoy. So I make my grocery list and then we get to the store and I get all the things on my list and then I decide what treats I want. And Sunday is the one day of the week I let myself eat whatever I want. No guilt, no shame, no anything. And sometimes after we do our grocery shopping, Calvin and I will go to this little Asian bakery because they make the best cake. They like steam it instead of baking it. And it makes it so fluffy and moist and it's wonderful and amazing. And instead of buttercream frosting, they use like this whipped cream frosting stuff. And it is glorious 
and wonderful and heavenly and decadent. On a lot of Sundays, we'll go and do all of our grocery shopping and y'all get some treats at the grocery store. But then we go to the little Asian bakery and I get one of their little pretty pieces of cake because they are aesthetically pleasing too. Their strawberry cake is both delicious and beautiful. And it just makes my my day so much brighter and it gives me something to look forward to all week. Because sometimes it's hard for me to be long-term thinking and be like, I just got to get through to spring or I just got to get through to summer and I'll feel better. But knowing that I have cake waiting for me at the end of every week, that's where I find my joy. That's what keeps me going sometimes is that that cake at the end of the week. If you are not as food driven as Ivy and I, there are also lots of different ways you can treat yourself. There's the bubble bath, snuggling with pets, all the different things that make you feel good. And again, if you do live in those cold areas, find ways to get warm. Most of us want to feel warm, not all of us, but a lot of us like feeling warm and toasty and comfy and cozy and cuddled in and snuggled in. And if that's you, do all that stuff. Get the blankets and the layers and the fuzzy socks. I love fuzzy socks. You can get them at the Dollar Tree. I have so many dollars tree fuzzy socks and they make my toes so happy and then the hot cocoa or the warm tea or the warm apple cider I guess that's back onto the food again very food driven sorry (laughs) but there are tons of little tiny feel-good things you can do a lot of these you'll notice are very sensory oriented they are the taste or the feeling anything like that can really help because you are directly affecting how your body physically feels and when you can make your body physically feel good it releases those hormones that you start psychologically feeling good as well so if you can find ways to get that little burst of oh that feels so good you're going to start feeling that way emotionally as well just those little tiny bursts you're not looking for permanent cake isn't going to fix ivy's life but it is going to make it just a little bit happier for that time she's eating the cake and the hope of looking forward to that cake and the same goes for the snuggles and the cuddles and all of that other stuff as well this is correlated but not maybe directly connected but we were talking about fuzzy socks finding cute things or funny things can also be part of this I went to a client's house last night and she was super excited to show me these socks that her husband got for her. They were fuzzy socks that looked like alligators. So it had little legs coming off the sides and the part of the sock that goes up the leg, it looked like an alligator mouth. So it was like shaped like an alligator mouth and then it had little teeth that were made from felt and it looked like the alligator was eating her foot. And I was like, that is the cutest fuzzy sock I've ever seen in my life. So in addition to the sensory part of all of that, there is something to be said for cute and funny as well to give you that little boost of feel good. That is so true. And because I am such a, uh, we'll say thrifty person, because that's a a positive word for what I actually am. (laughs) You do not have to spend a lot of money on that stuff. I keep mentioning the Dollar Tree Walmart. I got the absolute cutest statue. I'll take a picture of it so Ivy can put it on the resource page. I think it's a little outdoor statue, but it was at the Goodwill store and it was like $1.59 or something. And it made me so gloriously happy. And it's on these bobble springs. And since our house kind of bobbles, a little bit when you walk. Anytime somebody walks heavy or the dogs run, the whole thing bobbles. And so all the time, I'm just super excited about this little bobble statue for no reason. And it cost me a buck 59. Just little things, little things like that can just improve your day so much. That idea of getting little tiny things that just make you happy also 
ties directly into the idea of brightening your environment, which is another good way to build up hope or bring those little sparks of joy or those little moments of peace or calmness is readjusting your environment or making changes to your environment because the things around us really do influence us. Some people more than others. Honestly, I'm not a big environment person. I usually have to have something pretty significant going on for me to really care what the world around me looks like. As long as it functions and doesn't get in my way is my big thing. But even that is something right there because one of the ways that I improve my environment is I focus on what is important to me, which is making my life easier and making my life safer. During this time of year or other times when I'm feeling more down or I'm having difficulty finding hope or reason to move forward, I'll adjust my environment by directly working towards safety or working towards making my life easier in the environment. One example I do is there's something in my kitchen that it's always, I have to walk around to get it. And it's so stupid because I use this every time. Well, I change it. So I don't have to walk around to get the one freaking spoon I use all the time. I move the spoon next to the cooking area so that I can use it without having to walk around and put an extra effort. So even if you're not very visually oriented, I think there's still a lot of ways that you can adjust your environment to just feel better. I think Ivy is a little bit more more visually oriented and cares more about the appearance of things. So maybe you can talk a little bit to that aspect of rearranging your environment, Ivy. I really feel like this episode is just uh, highlighting all of the different ways in which Autumn and I do not see eye to eye. (laughs) A lot of times I get comments from people who listen to the podcast say, I can't always tell which one of you is which. You're so much alike and you sound alike too. This episode, I hope, will highlight for you that Autumn and I are actually quite different because my environment is incredibly important to me. It's not just the visual aspect. It's also the way that things flow and are organized and cleanliness. All of those things matter to me a lot. This is an area where I can get some relief from my winter blues. Part of it is just kind of a shakeup. I know a lot of people will wait until spring to do like their big cleaning or redecorate or reorganize. But I tend to do it in January or February, maybe as late as March, because it's a way for me to reset. It resets my mood. It resets the energy in my apartment. It makes things feel less stagnant. It keeps things moving. I will often move around my furniture just flip it. Maybe I'll put my bookcases where my couch is and vice versa and just move things around just so that things feel different. So it feels new and it looks new and it just gives my brain a reset. I don't really do this, but I do know people who do. They have different decorative things for different seasons. So they'll switch it out. And it's not always based on holidays. Sometimes it's just based on the time of year. So starting certain times of year, they'll have their house more decorated in pastel colors or earth tone, or they'll have really bright colors. That's another way that you can do it. Even just clearing away some of the clutter. If you have a bunch of stuff around you that you don't need and you don't want and you're not using, donate it. Clear up some space. Have less clutter. Clean away some of the dust. Reorganize things a little bit. Sometimes all I need to do is just reorganize my bookshelves. Maybe I'll take them from being alphabetically organized to being organized by genre. But it looks so pretty. 
because I just did it and everything is like perfectly lined up and it just looks nice and that's enough to give me a reset. So if you are somebody who is heavily influenced by your immediate environment, don't be afraid to switch things around. Get rid of some stuff, move things, buy a few different items, you know, switch up the color schemes, just anything, J- just to give yourself a reset, just something a little bit different to help you feel a little bit fresher. I suppose it is true because even though I'm not a very visually oriented person, I did find some really cute curtains at the thrift store and I put them up in my kitchen and they were super adorable and I was super happy. But unfortunately, I was only super happy for two weeks because then it got cold and the curtains were too thin and I had to put the old curtain over the new curtains. But I am looking forward to seeing those curtains come spring when it gets warmer and I can take the big fluffy curtains down off of my uh, my new pretty curtains. Just little things like that. They, they can make a difference. Even just cleaning up a bit, like Ivy said, everybody waits until spring. Why wait until spring? Do it now, especially if you're getting cabin fever. Even if, if you're someone like me and you're not very visually oriented, I guess especially if you're somebody like me and you're not very visually oriented and your house gets cluttered up pretty easily. Or for example, I squished a moth on one of my curtains in the living room like two months ago and there's still a dust stain there because, well, it's not affecting anything. So what's it matter? I imagine I would probably feel a little bit better if I cleaned the dust stain off. <laughs> so hard but something about that is hilarious you've just been like there's just been evidence of of your kill on your curtains for a while now yeah mine wasn't that intense it's just i'm lazy i hit it and i was like eh, i'll get that later and later hasn't happened yet but maybe if it did my life would be a little bit brighter (laughs) that's another thing you can do too is bring actual brightness and color in. Yes, it is darker these time of years, but I do try to open my curtains when there are sunlight and get some sunshine in here so it doesn't feel so drab or find ways to create more light, put up lamps, or in my case, light more candles, depending on how much electricity I have out here. Anything you can do to bring a little bit of light or especially a little bit of color because there is so little color, especially after Christmas time when all the Christmas lights come off and all the green decorations go. So if you can find a way to get a little brightness or color, maybe that would help too. Yeah, just how certain scents will have an impact on your mood. Color, I believe, does the same thing. I am a firm believer that color definitely impacts your mood. And during those months out of the year, that December, January, February, and into March here in the Pacific Northwest, and sometimes even longer than that, everything is gray. And I like gray, don't get me wrong. A lot of the clothes that I have in my closet are some shade of gray or black. So I I love gray, but I can only handle so much of it. A color I do not like is yellow. But the only time I like yellow is during January and February and March. And I think it's because there is a part of my brain desperately seeking out colors that will uplift my mood. The color yellow has for me somewhat the same impact that orange scented essential oil has. It's just supposed to make me feel happier and a little more chipper. And somehow it works. But the rest of the year, I don't like yellow. Only during January, February, and March. That's the only time of the year that yellow is an acceptable color. I'm just going to say. The rest of the time, it's awful. It sucks. 
You can also bring actual greenery or actual nature colors of brightness in if you wanted to get into plants. So if you want to get some indoor plants, there's plenty of house plants out there. Some of them are flowering and you'd have pretty things around you and nature, something living and alive. If you're not into plants, I think you can grow mushrooms, I've heard now. Or if you want to do two birds, one stone, or should I say two birds, one stoner, some of you that use marijuana could legally grow marijuana plants. I know recently in Montana, they legalized marijuana for use. And if you do use it, you are allowed to grow, I think it's one or two plants per household. It'd be cheaper to grow it yourself and you bring something light and beautiful into your environment. The same way if you're a gardener or even if you want to become a gardener, start those seedlings. It may be a little bit early right now, but into January, February, depending on your growing season around there, start those seedlings for gardening, especially those cold weather veggies, the lettuces, the greens, the potatoes, the onions, the broccoli, all of those guys, you can start seeding them now and you get the joy of seeing this little tiny seed start sprouting into this little plant and you can start fostering it and enjoying the life of spring while it's still dead and gray and white outside. And if you are not into any of those things, you could also just get something really simple. Like get yourself a goldfish or a sea monkey or even a chia pet. I mean, make sure you take care of it. But those are all relatively low maintenance things that can bring some life and some color and some joy into your world. Or heck, you could even get one of the crystal growing kits. Get something like that. Something that's like a science project. Just gives you something to focus on, something to do, something that you can watch the progress of. If you're super lazy, you can grow mold. I'll, I'll attest to that. It's a little bit harder here because it's a very dry climate, but you can grow mold. And you could do it intentionally as a science project instead of just accidentally because your housekeeping sleeps sometimes. But you could grow mold and watch the progress of it on a little piece of bread, just like you used to do in science class back in fifth grade, or at least I did. I don't know if they do that anymore. <laughs> I don't remember doing that. I do remember putting flowers in water that had food coloring in it and then watching over time as the food coloring changed the color of the petals on the flowers. I remember that. You'd have to get flowers from the store, though. Probably not going to be able to get flowers from outside during this time of year. But there's still that. Science is fun. Build yourself one of those solar system mobile things that you can hang from the ceiling and it just looks all pretty. Or go super 90s and get some of those glow-in-the-dark stars everybody used to have and just decorate your ceiling with them. Go nostalgic. I think that that's, that's a good plan too. I just thought of that one. I'm proud of that one. I'm going to go nostalgic this year. That's going to be my goal to get me through the winter this time. I'm going to have a 90s winter, I think. 90s everything. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Now, you may not want to go 90s everything because the next suggestion on our list is to potentially change things up about how you look. And I'm not sure if maybe I'm thinking more late 80s, early 90s, but some of those fashion choices were a little iffy. <laughs> but whether you go 90s or not, changing things up about the way you look is another potential way to bring a little 
spot of joy or a little bit of hope moving forward. And it doesn't have to be huge things. Yes, you could get something like a haircut that's going to be a very significant change or a tattoo that's going to be permanent. But you can also do things that are more temporary, a pedicure or a manicure, even when you do at home or temporary hair dye, even a temporary tattoo. They have henna tattoo kits out there or just the little cute ones you can get from the vending machine where you put the two little quarters in and you push them in and you get the little tattoo. I used to love temporary tattoos. They're so fun. Or, which I also used to do because apparently I'm still a three-year-old, you draw on yourself with markers. You can either get the washable kind that will come off or you can get the Sharpie ones. And honestly, it's actually kind of fun if you have an intimate partner or a close friend to draw on each other. So you can give your friend a back tattoo or have somebody draw something cool on your, your bicep. It's actually a lot of fun just to make those little tiny changes. And if you are one of those people that looks in the mirror a lot and notices reflective surfaces, every time you do, you're going to feel a little different. You're going to feel a little newer. And maybe that can bring just a little spark of joy. Like, hey, things can change. It's not always going to be this way. I'm not even always this way. Look at, I've already made changes. Kind of going back to what I had said earlier about cute things or funny things, maybe what you can do to just reset and find some humor and uplift your spirits is do something kind of ridiculous. I don't know, go out dressed in a costume just because you can. Make people wonder or just do something a little bit odd. I remember my tattoo artist, I'd gone in one time, it had been a while since I'd seen him and he had like full on like 70s look. He had the mutton chop thing and he had these aviator glasses. He was like, why do you think I do this? And I was like, I, I don't know, man. Why do you do it? And he goes, because every day I get up in the morning, I look at myself in the mirror and I think that's a goofy looking motherfucker and it makes my day brighter. So maybe do that. Be a little ridiculous. Do something silly. Maybe that's what you need is a reset just to get yourself into a better headspace or give yourself something that's a little bit different. Just do something a little bit silly and ridiculous or something that's a little bit more extravagant that you might normally do. I tend to be somebody who dresses all in earth tones and fairly modest for the most part. And I'm not really much of a girly girl, but every once in a while, you know what? I do want to wear a dress. I want to wear a brightly colored dress and I want to wear, I don't know, butterfly clips in my hair going back to the whole 90s thing if you can find butterfly clips if you know where i can get some please write in let me know but yeah i, I just want to do something different because i wouldn't normally do that and maybe i just want to feel a little bit better maybe i want to not feel like me that day maybe that's what we need sometimes is just a break from being ourselves because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves for no reason just take a break from it every once in a while well you're taking a break from everything else you might as well take a break from being who you are most of the time let yourself be different for a little bit. Doing those silly things, especially in your dress, actually can also bring a little brightness and hope to other people as well. One of the things I do that brings me a lot of joy is I have a collection, a whole collection of silly and ridiculous hats. I've got Winnie the Pooh. I've got a wolf. I even have a plush bison hat that has plush bison horns and everything. It's so cute. And these are what I wear every day for my winter garb. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I have a bison or a pink flamingo on my head and they're ridiculous. And this isn't for everybody because not everybody likes being looked at. But if you can tolerate it, they're fun and you bring smiles to people. And especially if you like children, you will have children smiling at you 
everywhere. Everywhere I go that has a child, somebody looks at my hat and they just end up smiling. I've even managed to break a couple kids out of temper tantrums with my more extreme hats because I'll turn down the aisle, you hear them screaming, and all of a sudden they see my hat and just start smiling. That little bit of ridiculousness, that little bit of change, that little bit of beauty, that little bit of difference can also make a difference for other people as well. But I will say, though, not all of us have the energy to make those changes, either in ourselves or in our environments. Because when you do get through these darker times and you do feel more depressed or more sad, you don't always have that energy. If you don't have the energy for those changes, maybe consider going somewhere different or nice or comforting that is beautiful or has some of those aspects for it. So butterfly gardens or arboretums. I don't know how to... The place with the pretty trees. I like the place with the pretty trees. I don't know how you pronounce it. Or zoos or aquariums. Or even if your friend's house is nicer. Like if I live closer to Ivy, I bet Ivy doesn't have any moth stains on her curtains. And if I went over after cleaning day, it would be so pretty and so calm and everything would look so nice and so pretty and it would be comforting. And I could go chill out at Ivy's and carefully use a coaster and not get crumbs everywhere somehow. But it would be a nice change from my own drab environment with moth stains. You wouldn't find moth stains on our curtains because we We don't have curtains. We have blinds. We're not allowed to hang curtains, which is stupid, stupid apartment rules. But yes, just give yourself an opportunity to go do something different be somewhere different. There's lots of cool little coffee shops and things like that. If you live someplace that is metropolitan enough, you might even have, we have a couple in Seattle and I have been to them and they're amazing, cat cafes. That started like in Japan or Korea or something along those lines. And now it's kind of started to take off in the US and in parts of Canada as well, where you just go to this coffee shop and you get your coffee and you have your little snack and most of the snacks and the coffee cups are cat themed so you can eat a muffin that is decorated to look like a cat face and then after you have your coffee and your little snack you get to go into this big room where there's just a bunch of cats and you can play with them and you can pet them and you get to interact with them. Like if you have access to things like that, go do something like that. Break yourself out of the monotony. Do something that you wouldn't normally do. Try out something new. Try out a different place, a different restaurant, even a different type of food. Just break yourself out of the usual cycle. And it's such a simple thing that you can do. Does not require a ton of energy from you. You don't have to change anything about yourself. You don't have to reorganize and clean out your whole home. Just go someplace that's different, something different and new and exciting and uplifting. If you are one of those people that get the cabin fever or go cabin crazy and you've got a lot of energy and you start getting restless and you start getting anxious because you feel trapped and like you can't get out because it's too cold, finding outlets for those energies is another way to bring hope. Because unfortunately, when we do have all that energy A lot of times, especially if you've got that trauma background, that mental health struggles, you are neurodivergent, they don't always go toward positive arenas. They end up turning into anxieties and ruminations and negative things. So provide some positive outlets for those. Do-it-yourself projects. This is a great time of year for small do-it-yourself projects. Refurnishing furniture, some random thing you found at the thrift store, or maybe something you have at your own home. And you're like, I want to give this a new look. And you learn how to reupholster something or sand it down and apply lacquer. You could also do crafty things or get back into a hobby or start a new hobby. 
baking is a great way. When I used to have an oven and I could eat sugar whenever I wanted, or I guess I still had the consequences. I just didn't know it was from the sugar at the time. So when I was ignorant of the horrible things caused by sugar, I loved baking. I was always baking. It was something to keep the house warm and it kept me moving and it provided treats and I could give them away. And it was, it was all sorts of fun. But find outlets for those energies. And I know a lot of people are going to be living in areas where it's really cold. And if you're like me and you hate being cold, you might not want to be outside. But there's also lots of fun indoor activities. And maybe try something you haven't tried before, or maybe it is something you tried before that you just really enjoyed, but you haven't let yourself go do in a while. So there's all sorts of indoor activities that you can do. There's putt-putt, and some of them are really cool because they have awesome themes, like they're glow-in-the-dark or something like that. Axe throwing is still kind of a popular thing, and that can definitely let you get out not just energy, but maybe some pent-up aggression if you're frustrated too. Or laser tag, there's escape rooms, rock climbing, there's gymnastics type places, there's like the places that you go where everything is trampolines and everybody's just jumping around. Or you could go swimming at your local Y or at the gym. And in some places, depending on where you're at, like when I lived in Edmonton, Alberta, they have an indoor water park. That's pretty cool. You can forget that it's even winter for a while. It's like negative 30 degrees outside. And it's nice and warm like a tropical island at those places. There's lots and lots of options depending on where you're at. But you're always going to be able to find something that's a fun indoor activity that you can do that can also help break you out of the monotony. And if you are cool with being outside when it's cold, like my crazy sister or my crazy boyfriend, there's lots of outdoor activities. You can go ice skating, you can go sledding, you can build a snowman, you can have snowball fights, make snow angels, lots of snow things. Calvin fucking loves snowboarding. It's a bit much for me, but lots of people love snowboarding and skiing, so there's that. Or snowshoeing. There's so much stuff that you can do outdoors as well. You can even make yourself a scavenger hunt. Or there's Groupon. They have scavenger hunt Type things. You can have somebody else do all the work and you just pay a cheap price for it. There's tons of stuff that you can do outside if you don't mind being out in the cold. When it's not too cold, it's rainy and stuff here. Calvin and I go out foraging for mushrooms because there are some mushrooms that grow in winter. So sometimes we'll go out and do that, which is fun for me, or we'll go off-roading. Or there, There's so many things that you can do just to get yourself out of the house, get some fresh air, do things that are just a little bit different, get you out of the monotony. And if you are like me and you are a kid at heart, it is also really enjoyable to do a lot of those kid activities because they are silly and they are fun and they do break you out of the adult seriousness, the snowball fights, the snowman, the snow angels, the sledding. Though I will say with the sledding, be aware of your adulthood. <laughs> I, uh, I went sledding. It, it was a decade ago, so I was 30. And my ass hurt so much the whole next week because I cannot take the beating that I used to when I was a kid and doing that. I could sled all day for a whole week and never have felt it as a kid. But as an adult, I sled, for, I don't know, 30 minutes and the boom, 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 jarring. That beat me up pretty hardcore. So be aware of your adulthood if you are going to participate in some of those those reindeer games, those childhood games. You know, I feel like there needs to be more playgrounds for adults. Man, I still want to go to the playground. Playgrounds are fun. I used to love going on the swing when I was a kid. That was like my favorite activity. I loved swings. I can't do it now because now I'm a grown-ass woman. And as a grown-ass woman, I have a woman's ass and a woman's hips. 
And the last few times that I tried to go play on the swings, I had so much pain in my hips afterward and so much bruising that come the next morning, I could barely get out of bed. I was so stiff and sore and bruised because swings are made for little kid butts. And I don't have a little kid butt anymore. I have a very adult butt and my hips are too wide for the swings now. And this makes me sad. It's also too wide for most slides. This is disappointing. There needs to be more playgrounds for adults out there. I'm just saying. Now, if... If you do have a lot of the energy or you are feeling restless, something to consider is letting yourself do the work you've been avoiding or you didn't have time for. And I am talking here, of course, about the psychological work. Winter is all about death and the grief and the sadness. So consider allowing yourself time to have that catharsis, to not run from the emotions, to not run from the trauma, but to actually take time and confront it and to use this time when you can't get out or do other things to say, okay, I'm going to do the psychological work I need to do. Now, keep in mind, though, if you are going to do this, you do need to have that support available. So have that therapist on hand or just a really good support network, however that is, if you are going to start doing that psychological work. You know, and you don't always have to do it in a super direct way, going to a therapist or reading self-help books. Like there are other ways that you can get that catharsis and you can engage in a therapeutic process that maybe are not quite so direct, but do give you not just the catharsis, but also some relief and some self-expression. I am not an artist. I have very little art ability. I'm not particularly creative, not as much as I would like to be. But art therapy has actually been very beneficial for me when I have utilized it. Uh, in 2016, when our mom died, and even before mom died, starting, I think it was like in January of that year. So around this time of year, I started just doing art. I bought some watercolor paint and I just started doing stuff. It's not perfect. I'll post some pictures in our on our resource page on our website. Like I, I am not a particularly skilled artist. I don't know anything about technique. I don't know anything about anything really. But I just started putting feelings to paper and just getting it out of my system, the trauma and the pain. And a lot of it had to do with body grief and some of my sexual trauma and some of the family trauma. I started just getting it out and not beating myself up over it, not being a perfect rendition or exactly what I had in my head because that's an unrealistic expectation. And that wasn't the point. It was just allowing myself expression in a way that I normally would not express myself because I'm a very verbal person. I'm a very analytical person. So I have mostly engaged in a therapeutic process with words and talk therapy and reading books and journaling and doing those sorts of things. I have not done a whole lot of visual things or very tangible stuff. So doing art was really helpful for me. And what I also discovered as time went on, because I started with just doing watercolor basic, that was the first thing that came to mind. But what actually ended up being even better for me than I never would have thought that I would have gotten into was mixed media. And if you are an artist and went to art school, you may take offense to my description of mixed media, but 
as a layman that doesn't know what they're talking about, to me, a mixed media is taking a bunch of random shit and figuring out a way to put it together so it looks kind of cool. If that is offensive to you, I'm sorry. That's what mixed media was for me, though. But I just started taking all sorts of random things. I was taking things that I found in nature, shells or rocks or feathers, and I was taking things that had belonged to my mom, like some of her beads and some of her supplies, yarn, stuff that she had that I could utilize in my own stuff. And I just started putting things together. And the pieces that I ended up getting were not even what I expected because I didn't really go in with any solid ideas of what I would end up with. But by the time I had finished projects, I looked at them and I'm like, holy fuck, that is what I am feeling. That is what I have been feeling. This is my life experience right now. And there was something that was very cathartic about it. It felt like it was pulling something out of me. Like there was all this grief and loss and pain and shame and anger and hurt and everything just kind of got pulled out of me and put into this tangible creation. And it was so meaningful for me. But again, I am not an artist. Probably nobody would pay for the shit that I made. But it it meant something to me. And I still have those pieces and I keep them around because it's a reflection of where I was at and where I'm at now. And I try once every year or two, at, at least, to make something new. And I don't go in with an idea of what I'm trying to create. I just sit down with a bunch of supplies and I see what comes of it because it is such a reflection of where I'm at in my own healing journey, what, where I'm at in my process, what I'm feeling, things that I can't put words to because not everything can be verbalized, not everything can be analyzed. Some things just have to be expressed and to just exist. And that's what art therapy can do. And these months out of the year is a really great time for that because the world is still and there aren't as many demands and there is that chance to just be. Just being is actually another way to do the work. And this is actually very difficult for a lot of people. But that idea of just being in the moment, of just being okay with how things are, because a lot of us aren't, because honestly, things aren't okay. We have depression, we have anxiety, we have issues going on in our life, we do have this trauma background. And so many of us, especially if we are on the healing journey, we're so focused on always doing and changing and making, walking that healing journey path that we can also forget to stop and just be and to learn to accept discomfort and to accept both the good and the bad parts of life and not label them as good and bad, but just as they are. I feel it is one of the things that winter encourages us to do, though, to remind us that, hey, just take a moment, just be here, just be in this snow globe, in this second, in this snowfall for this time, let your focus be here. And if you have the capacity to start doing that work, winter is a great time to do it. Meditation is a great way to do that. But as we've talked about meditation before and mindfulness before, that is not ideal for everybody. And so if you're not ready to do the work or you're especially not ready to be in the moment because being in the moment is too overwhelming and is actually counterproductive right now, another way to find hope in these darker days to find that reason to keep moving forward is to not be in the moment. Look beyond now. Daydream about better days. Get out of now, get out of the dreariness and start thinking about tomorrow. Or like Ivy talked about in her fact of the day, Look to the past. 
I kind of think of those moments from the past as almost being snapshots in time and not just in a visual sense, because I, I do have very vivid memories visually of those moments when I felt happy or I felt at peace. I know something stuck out about those moments that I just was able to be fully present in them. And so I do think of them as like snapshots in time. And when I am having a hard time, when I don't want to be in the moment or I can't be in the present moment. I can't connect to it. I'm dissociated from it for whatever reason. Or I don't have a whole lot of hope for the future. When I'm feeling that way, I do look back to the past. I look back to those snapshots. A lot of them for me were when I was living in Tulsa and I would just be driving around with no destination, but I would be driving in my car and I would be listening to one of my favorite songs and just the way that the sunlight was coming in through the window or just the way that the river looked as I crossed over a bridge or how warm I felt inside. Just those moments, these brief snapshots that I hold on to and I save for a rainy day. And during January and February and March, and often in April as well, the Pacific Northwest has a whole lot of rainy days. So I really hold those memories close. And it's almost like keeping a photo album in my mind, a full sensory photo album, because I do keep those vivid memories of those moments that just felt like perfection, where it's just you are fully there and you feel connected to the universe and the heaviness melts away and you actually feel alive and like life is worth living. That ties into another way that you can help find that hope in the darkness as well, which is finding the spiritual practices, getting outside of this earthly realm and looking farther and wider and bigger than just this moment. Looking at developing your spirituality, setting up an altar, praying to your ancestors, choosing a patron god, or diving back into a religion that comforts you, or finding an already established religion that comforts you. There came a time in my life where I needed a connection with something larger, and I didn't know what that was, but I knew it was something. So what I did is I, because I'm a dork, I did my research, and I looked at all the various gods and the goddesses that were out there and the ideas that they incorporated, and I said, okay, what do I need in my life? And I actively, logically chose two patron gods. I chose the god Ganesh and the goddess Calypso because of the ideals they represented. And I wanted more of that in my life. And I participated in activities and I participated in ideas that celebrated what they were about. Those are things that you can do. If you are Christian, start praying again, start going to church, start going to services. If you're not, there's a lot of ways to consider spirituality. Even if you don't believe that anything happens after this, the idea of praying to your ancestors, it's not that they are there and listening and guiding you, but perhaps it's just acknowledging that they put in effort, that they're part of the reason you're here now. And even that can be something. I know one of the uh, spiritual practices that I usually fall back on, and it's not just this time of year, it's pretty much all year, but it becomes particularly helpful during these drab and dreary months because I did go through training for shamanism. I often will spend more time connecting with my animal spirit guides. That's where I find the comfort. It's not in deities. It's not necessarily in ancestors. It's in these 
animal spirit guides. And maybe you don't believe in that. And that's totally cool. But for me, it's very real. And I connect to that. And it means something to me. And it does help me get through these months. It helps me feel a connection and it helps me feel comfort. And like I'm receiving guidance from something beyond just what's inside my own head. I also am a believer in astrology. So that's another thing. I know there's tons of people who love astrology. There's tons of people that make fun of it, but a lot of people do believe in it. And as you're getting ready to embark on a new year, it's a good time to look at what might be coming up for you over the year. There's lots of websites that you can go to, or you can schedule an appointment with with an astrologist and look to see, okay, well, what does this year have for me? What things can I look forward to? What potential challenges might I have? Maybe there's nothing to it, but maybe there is. And maybe it gives you a game plan or something to look forward to or something to work off of. Maybe it just gives you a little bit of direction and that's all you need right now. And could it be placebo? Could be, but could it be real? Who knows? But if that's what works for you, then that's what works for you. Even just doing a cleansing of your home just didn't energetic cleansing of your home. Maybe you rearrange your home to have better feng shui or you do some sort of ritual like you sage your your home or you put salt barriers down or you fill your house with crystals or whatever it may be for you. Just doing some sort of ritualistic cleansing and purifying of your environment or of yourself or both just to feel like you actually do have a reset and a blank slate and the stagnant energy or the negative and heavy energy from the previous year, you put it behind you and you move forward. There is something to rituals. Humans have been doing rituals of some kind for pretty much as long as humans have existed. There has to be some merit to it, even if it's just the psychological impact of feeling like you're doing something active and tangible to clear away the heaviness that you've been feeling. There is definitely something to rituals. And I would say there is also something to symbolism. When it comes to spirituality, when you are trying to increase that sense of spirituality or increase that sense of connection to the universe at large, I always encourage people to actively put symbols in their environment. If that's angels and crosses and Bibles, great, have those everywhere. If that's hematite and horseshoes or clover, put those up. Whatever those symbols are that represent hope, that represent connection, that represent faith that things that will get better, that there is something more beyond the now, put those symbols up because they are direct reminders. Every time you see that cross, every time you see that horseshoe, every time you see that clove of garlic, whatever it happens to be for you, it's a direct reminder in your mind like, oh, I'm loved. Oh, I'm connected. Oh, I have hope. Oh, there's something more. I would say that's something that a lot of us need in these darker days. So those rituals and those symbols can really help us get into that spirituality. And I believe they actually do help improve our psychological health if there's something that you want to participate in. Now, if you are not a spiritual person and you're like, shit, don't like all that stuff. It's not me. Or you've got a lot of spiritual trauma and you're not ready to go there yet. Maybe look at fostering the more analytical stuff because a lot of us get stuck in our emotions. We get stuck in that funk. We get stuck in the ruminations and the anxiety. And maybe what you need to get out of the emotions is not necessarily getting outside of your head or outside of your realm, but getting into a different part of your head and start thinking more analytically and logically because that can help shut down those emotions and tamper down the stuff that is dragging you down or affecting your functioning or you're not yet able to deal with. So consider things that foster your curiosity and encourage you to think. One of the things both Ivy and I love 
are science centers. If you have the ability to go to a science center, do it, especially if you have never been to one. Man, I love a science center. I, I don't even really see myself as a particularly sciencey person, but a science center is so much fun. And because it's supposed to make science fun and accessible for kids, if you can just break yourself out of your funk and go in there and actually do the activities, you don't have to be a kid to do it. There are plenty of adults that go. It, maybe once every couple of years, I go to a science center just because I want to do something hands-on and fun where I can activate my brain and I can learn something cool. And the other thing that I love about science centers is they are like nowhere else. They are set up kind of weird and some of it's topsy-turvy and got kind of Alice in Wonderland type vibes. And some of them have anatomical type things where you're walking through body parts and it just weird stuff. It's just a different type of environment or they'll have air and space section and you can sit inside a, something that's equivalent to the cockpit of a plane or, or something along those lines. They just have all of these things that you wouldn't get to do in your normal everyday life. And they have all this stuff you wouldn't normally see in your everyday life. And it's just a blast. It's just so odd and different and cool. My favorite science center that I have been to, if you ever go to Oklahoma City or you live close enough to Oklahoma City, wouldn't have expected it. Oklahoma City, though, has one of the coolest fucking science centers I've ever been to. They have a three-story spiral slide, which even as an adult, even though, yes, my hips get stuck a little bit sometimes, if I don't go down it quite right, it's still really fun. And you know what? The kids don't get mad at you if they have to share the slide with you. They think it's pretty cool that an adult wants to do it too. And a lot of science centers also have planetariums which that's also really cool because that's an opportunity for you just to chill and relax while also getting to learn something really cool as well. Science centers are amazing. I, I cannot stress enough how wonderful and beautiful and fun and topsy-turvy and just cool they are. Go to a science center, especially if you've never done it. Go to a science center. They are really, really amazing. And if you do like learning things, that is another way to find a little spark of hope and to foster that curiosity is actually apply yourself to learning a new skill. Take some classes, research it online, watch some YouTube videos, whatever it happens to be. And the great thing about this is maybe it's even an activity that could help you out somewhere else in life, foraging. What do you have in the area that you can forage? There's even things you can forage in the middle of winter. Even here with three feet of snow on the ground, you could probably find things to forage or learn website design or dog grooming, things that could potentially be side gigs later or maybe a full-time job if you don't like what you're currently doing or just learn something for the fun of it because why not? I learned macrame at one point because I was like, I don't know, why not? And so I made a macrame owl because I'm pretty sure if you do learn macrame, you are legally obligated to make the macrame owl, I believe. But I did. I made a macrame owl and I made some other macrame stuff and it was fun. Do I still do it now? No, but I enjoyed it and it was a new skill and it was interesting. Taking time to actually learn something new can break you out of that funk, can give you a reason to look forward. And that curiosity, there is a lot to to be said for curiosity as a reason to keep moving on, to just discover something new or learn that bit of information or figure out how to make that not just right or perfect that whatever it is you're learning. There's a lot to be said for curiosity. Another thing that you could do, find events that you can go to. There's dog shows, horse auctions. You could go to a wedding show, you know, go places where you get free shit. I'm just going to say lots of these like big shows or uh, conventions or whatever. It's relatively cheap to get in. 
And lots of the vendors will just give you free stuff. You not only get to do, go do something fun and different and learn some stuff and just enjoy a different kind of environment, you also usually walk away with free stuff. I live in a fairly rural area. And one of the things that happens a lot out here is auctions. You can kind of stand on the background and they're fun to watch, even if you don't buy things or to just look at all the weird things that are out there. And if you want something a little more organized, consider going to a play or a show. Sometimes even the local high schools or drama clubs will put them on and they're really low cost. You don't have to shell out for Broadway tickets or anything. You you can a lot of times find pretty cheap entertainment if you're willing to go out there. And it, it's fun. It's something different. And you'd be amazed most places how many things there are actually to do in your town. Now, if you live in a teeny, teeny town like mine, there's probably not a whole lot to actually do in the town, but you never know. And you can go exploring and see what's out there and drive around and find the back alleys. Or if you live in a little bit bigger town or in a metropolitan area, Oh my gosh, monuments, museums, pottery shops, just Google things to do in whatever your town is. Now, if you don't know what's in your town or you don't know how to even start exploring things, maybe you could try Randonautica. I am assuming at this point, most people know what Randonautica is, but if you don't, it is an app that you can get on your phone and you set an intention in your head and then it will randomly generate a location for you to go to. And you just go to that spot and you see if it's something cool. And maybe it's going to be a dud, but sometimes you actually find something cool. Calvin and I recently, because we do usually forage for mushrooms, the Pacific Northwest, though, at least the area that we're in, has been unnaturally dry. So there's not really much in the way of mushrooms, which has been driving us crazy. We've been going out and looking for mushrooms almost every day for weeks and have found very few. I was just like, yo, fuck it. Let's try Randonautica. Let's see if Randonautica will take us to mushrooms. So we set the intention for finding mushrooms. It generated a point for us. It took us to a library, which I know does not sound like a hotbed for mushrooms, but guess what we found? We found mushrooms of multiple varieties and it was amazing. So I'm just saying, if you don't know how to get started, but you're feeling restless and you want to get out and you need to stay relatively close to home, give it a shot. Try Randonautica. What have you got to lose? Worst case scenario, you get there and you're like, well, this is boring. Best case scenario, you go to a library and you find, <laughs> you find mushrooms. <laughs> I'm going to call that a middle case scenario. I'm not sure if that's the best case scenario for everybody. <laughs> okay. Well, best case scenario, you set your intention. It generates a random point for you and you get something you genuinely enjoy out of it. The last thing I want to talk about in today's episode for finding that hope and those sparks in the darkness is just actively pursuing it or creating it. Because sometimes it doesn't just always fall in your lap or you try to get outside of your head and it doesn't work or you do the exercise and it's not enough. And so sometimes you need to actively put work into saying, you know what, fuck it. I want hope. It's going to happen today. I am going to either make it or I'm going to find it, but there is going to be hope. If you are interested in finding hope, like how do you even do that? What do you do to find hope? Different Functional has actually created a scavenger hunt journal to help you find hope this time of year. So if you're interested in that, it's called Finding Hope in the Darkness, and it's a 30-day scavenger hunt challenge journal. So a lot of the journals out there, they encourage you to be mindful or to think about these positive things or what you're grateful for. 
when I get in a bad place, it's really hard for me to just spontaneously come up with something. So the idea behind this journal is we give you a particular spark and then you have to go out into the world and find that spark. But it gets your eyes open and you're actually out there looking for something that might entertain you or be interesting to you or that you might find beautiful. That's the whole point of the journal. And that's available on differentfunctional.com slash products. But when it comes to hope, you can make a scavenger hunt out of it and actually try to actively find hope every day. Find some bit of beauty, some bit of curiosity, just something to keep you moving forward. Another thing that you can do is using media to your advantage. This could mean a variety of things, but I'm going to be talking more specifically right now about actual Christmas and getting through Christmas, the holidays, whatever you call it, if Christmas is somehow offensive to you as a term for it. But that particular holiday, if that's difficult for you, use the media to your advantage. When most people are watching Hallmark movies where everything is happy and wonderful and nobody has any real issues, maybe find some movies where people do have issues, but it's still the holiday and they're still finding hope and they're still finding something to enjoy about it or somehow things come together in the end. But it's not just pure fluff where everything is happy and wonderful. The movie that we quoted from at the beginning of this episode, Mixed Nuts, is a perfect example of that. It is my favorite Christmas movie of all time because it is a bunch of random misfit weirdos who have a very eventful and crazy, chaotic, uncomfortable, tragic Christmas day. And yet somehow they still all come together and they find hope in it and they find something to love and enjoy about each other and about the holiday season. They find some meaning that is worthwhile in life. There's also Wish for Wings that work. I don't know how many people actually remember Opus and Bill as a comic. Primarily, the actual comic was more politically oriented. But Wish for Wings at Work is a pretty short animated film that is holiday themed that had Opus and Bill, the penguin and the cat. It's, again, kind of like these misfit oddballs that don't really fit. And yet somehow they find something good about the holidays. The movie Home for the Holidays is another great one for people who have dysfunctional families because that is a comedy that is holiday focused and also dysfunctional family focused. There's lots of movies out there or songs, books that are that. It's for people like us who do have real issues and we do have trauma and we do have fucked up families, but we want to be able to enjoy the holidays too. We just don't want to have to be exuberantly happy and joyful about it and pretend like everything in the world is wonderful when we know for a fact that it is not. Like I said earlier, it's that acceptance of the good and the bad, because I think when a lot of us that do come from those fucked up backgrounds or have those mental health struggles, when we try to just say, oh, everything is pretty and everything is happy and everything is hopeful and we focus only on that, it feels like such a big lie. And I think for a lot of us, it also feels threatening because so many of us have had to be threat focused in order to survive. For a lot of us, hope is about balancing those two, still accepting the negative, still acknowledging that doom and darkness is there, but also actively looking for the light bits as well, choosing to see it all instead of just one thing or the other. And there is creating hope, just directly creating it. So you can do this for yourself. Plan a vacation. Plan for the future. 
daydream about the future. I'm not sure how much I buy into it, but the idea of manifesting, they say that when you want to try to manifest, when you're putting that intent out into the universe, you're not just like, I want to be a millionaire. It's not about that. It's about imagining yourself completely in that scenario. So one of the things I am trying to do right now is build a permanent housing for me. I'm just living in temporary housing on a Kwanzaa on my land. And we're really far away from being able to financially get a permanent house here. So when I start getting bummed out and I need a little hope, I daydream about that house, not just like, oh, I'll have the money to get it. But okay, when I walk in the door, there'll be a little entryway and we'll have the little hooks and we'll hang there and there'll be a little bench and we can put our shoes under it. And then when you walk over here and I literally daydream about walking through this house and my boyfriend and I, we design things on the free little AutoCAD we got or he gets he's even gone into Minecraft and we've designed little homes in Minecraft, but things like that to keep us thinking about the future and to make us happy in the now and create hope for ourselves. And if the manifesting is a thing, then we are also putting that intent out there very specifically so that we can say, yes, universe, this is what we want and we know it and we're looking for it and maybe creating that energy or drawing the energy to us that will help make that happen. I know these were trendy for a while. I think they've kind of fallen out of popularity, but I still think they're good ideas, dream boards. And the reason why I like dream boards for daydreaming or for manifesting, if, if you want to phrase it that way too, is that it's more tangible. There's something sensory there. So with Autumn's example of what she would like her house to look like at some point, if you created a dream board from that, you're clipping out pictures of couches that you want or images of the outside of a house. Maybe you want a cabin. So you have pictures of cabins and the style that you like on your dream board. Just those sorts of little things, just to give you something tangible, something you can look at, something that you can touch, something that makes it even more real to you, whatever your dream is. Even if it's, you know, you want to plan a vacation for the future, you can't afford it right now, but where do you want to go? You want to go someplace tropical? That's awesome. Make a dream board where you have pictures of tropical places or you have silk flowers on it that have a tropical theme, just something that puts you in that state of mind. Recipes for cocktails that you want to drink when you're on the beach, anything. You can put those things on a dream board and it makes it a little bit more real. Like you're really putting energy towards that idea so that you can make it real for yourself someday, starting with now, what you can do right now, building that idea from the ground up. There's also something to be said for creating hope, not just for yourself, but other people as well. Sometimes we get too stuck in our own world and too stuck in our own darkness and our own dread. And what we need for hope for ourselves is creating a light not just for us, but for other people as well, to open us up out of that little isolated view and see that there is something more beyond that. And you can create hope for others so easily. Holding a door open, volunteering. If you're over people, it doesn't have to be people. It can be picking up trash. It can be animal rescue, but it's helping improve something. Even just leaving a positive comment on social media, somebody put something up of their the new Christmas dress they're wearing and you say, wow, you look really beautiful. That can improve their day so much. Just a few simple words took almost no effort from you, but you created hope for somebody else. You created a moment of joy, a spark of brightness potentially in their darkness. And that giving can make us feel better as well. And if you did pick up a hobby or you continued a hobby, maybe consider giving that away, especially if you are in a creative hobby, like you decided to take up baking or macro 
from A. All of a sudden, you have all this stuff stacking up and you're like, I can't eat this many cookies or at least I should not eat this many cookies. Start giving them away. People will enjoy it. They enjoy little gifts, even if it's January or February and it's not gift giving season. So much the better because it's unexpected and they're just like, oh my gosh, it's a surprise and now I feel special. It's so easy to create hope for other people and that giving can spark the light of hope within us as well. And the very last thing we're going to suggest today is the idea of creating new traditions to help you create hope. One of the things I absolutely hate is that New Year's is in January. And that fucking boggles my mind because I am very much with nature and the cycles that are. And I'm like, this isn't a fucking new year. This is the middle of winter. This is the middle of something. There is no new. There was no end. There was no beginning. This is just the continuation of something. And so it drives me nuts that we recognize New Year's as January 1st, because in my mind, there's nothing new here. This is why I have chosen to celebrate the Lunar New Year, because winter is starting to end and spring is starting to begin. And even if you don't want to celebrate the Lunar New Year specifically, maybe you celebrate New Year as the beginning of spring. One of the traditions that comes with celebrating the Lunar New Year in a lot of areas is the idea of cleaning out the old energy. So that idea of spring cleaning, but you're doing that as the last part of winter and you're getting all that old energy out like Ivy talked about so that you can then make room for the energy of the new coming in. But I love that idea of celebrating a new year that is in spring not in the middle of fucking winter, because it does give me something to look forward to. Because like, oh, the new year is coming. Winter will soon be over. Spring is going to be starting. This new season is coming. And I love the hope that that idea brings. And to close out this episode, we are going to quote Mixed Nuts again, because it is such a great holiday movie and it really does fit with the theme of this episode perfectly. So we're talking about hope. Steve Martin's character, again, very wise and weird man, but here goes. Just remember that in every pothole, there is hope. Well, you see, pothole is spelled P O T. H-O-L-E. So if you take the P and add it to the H, the O, and the E and rearrange the letters, or contrary-wise, you remove the O, T, and the L, you get hope. So just remember that in every pothole, there is hope. The reason why we chose that quote is because hope is a little bit complicated. Just like turning every pothole into hope, you got to move around letters You have to take some things out. It's not super simple always. Sometimes it's a little convoluted. Sometimes it's a little complex and it takes a little bit of work, but it's there. You may have to work at it a little bit, but you know what? In every pothole, there is hope. And remember, if you need some help finding that hope in the darkness this year, we do have that scavenger hunt journal available at differentfunctional.com slash products, finding hope in the darkness. And we've also given you lots of ideas today to help you find hope and to get through this darkness into the spring that will soon be coming here in just a couple months. And this is our last episode that we will be releasing before the Christmas season. So I do also want to wish everybody a pleasant Bobbly Spriggins because that is what I celebrate. And now I will 
will throw it over to Ivy so that she can give you all of our connecty bits, just in case you wish to wish me or Ivy a pleasant Bobbly Spriggins or whatever it is that you happen to celebrate. You can find us at our website, www.differentfunctional.com. You can find us at Facebook as Different Functional. We are also on Instagram and TikTok as Different underscore Functional. You can email us at differentfunctional at gmail.com. And we are also on Patreon as Different Functional. We would love it if you would reach out for reals we we would love to to get to know you guys we are so appreciative of those of you who keep coming back and keep listening we would also really appreciate it if you can find it in your hearts to spread the word about us and tell your friends about us or you know share some of our posts on social media just get the word out there we would really appreciate that one more you know little plug remember we we do now have merch so if you want to tell other people about us without actually having to open your mouth and tell other people about us you can tell other people about us by wearing our shirt or having a sticker or a cell phone case cover we would definitely appreciate that as well and if you could leave us say uh, a rating a review a comment if you could subscribe to the podcast any of those things and you would definitely be be making our day a little bit brighter and giving us a little bit of hope for the future it definitely would give us a lot of hope for the future we really enjoy the participation and we do so much appreciate our dedicated listeners out there and i do know that some of you are spreading the word or liking our posts or sharing that and we appreciate that so much thank you all of you who listened to us today we do hope that you will find hope in the darkness and as always remember that different does not mean defective. My-